0: Hey, it's Miles here, and before the show starts, uh, many of you have been curious about the work that I get to be a part of at at OnSite, and so I just wanted to give you a glimpse into who we are. OnSite is, is known as a worldwide leader in the personal growth and therapeutic workshop space, We're just fortunate to work with an incredible team that creates life-changing experiences that assist individuals and families and couples into becoming more self-aware, empathetic, compassionate, and and resilient. And just overall raising our emotional intelligence so that we can become better versions of ourselves and enhance our relationships. So whether you're feeling burnout or life just seems a little out of balance or whether you're trying to overcome some adverse circumstances that you experienced along the way, we've got some really cool workshops uh, that we offer year-round that we'd love for you to learn more about. And we also help stay plugged in and get you resourced for counseling and other great resources in your area as well. If you want to know more about us, check out onsiteworkshops.com or you can find us on our socials at at onsiteworkshops.
1: I think that the system that art is placed in, in order to commodify it, is destructive to the artist.
2: Yeah. Mm. yeah.
1: Because music has always been something that was a glue for communities or something that gives people a way to process grief mm. and change it flip it you know the music that we have come to commodify and and sell the reason that it's so powerful is because it comes from centuries Of people's experience and communities using it as a way to pass wisdom on to the next generation and pass customs on to the next generation hey guys I'm Miles
0: and I'm Ruthie and welcome to the unspoken podcast where we believe that saying the unsaid may be the hardest but one of the most important things we can ever do
3: yes our authentic self is the best gift that we have to offer this world, but sadly, we live in this culture that tells us that we should hide it.
0: So we would love for you to join us and listen along, and we hope that you might find connection and healing in the courage that no important words go unspoken.
2: up make, make them all laugh. Come on, someone, take off your mask. It's nice to me.
0: Today on the podcast, we have John Baptiste. Born into a long lineage of Louisiana musicians, John is a globally celebrated musician, educator, band leader, and television personality whose musical skill and artistic vision has captivated the hearts of many. Whether solo or with his band Stay Human, John is a musical genius who is well known for his role as the musical director of The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. John recorded and released his first solo album, Hollywood Africans, this past year and received critical acclaim from his peers and press, including a Grammy nomination. Strongly committed to the arts, philanthropy, education, and mentoring of young musicians, John is currently the Artistic Director-at-Large of the National Jazz Museum in Harlem and Musical Director for The Atlantic.
3: Oh my goodness, this beautiful soul. (laughs) I'm so grateful that we got to sit across from him. and Honestly, this is one of my favorite conversations I think we've ever had. I left smiling for—I <laughs> just couldn't get over it. His spirit is so infectious and his story is so beautiful and his heart—there's just a purity about him. So I am delighted that we get to share John Baptiste with you today.
1: dum, doo dum. Wow. Wow, yes. wow.
0: Wow. Wow. Just do that. Yep. Yes. We don't have to talk about anything. Oh, no, <laughs> man.
1: I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. We're Aww. in New York City, man. It's <laughs> yes, a good vibe. Yes, we
3: are. Sitting in your office. John
0: <laughs> Baptiste.
1: Yeah. Ooh, the <laughs> rhythm <laughs> in the house. Yes.
3: Oh, uh, john i feel like i know obviously i don't know you know you because this is the first time we've met in person but i know your love mm, yes and after our trip to vermont i literally i looked at her i'm like i love that man and i will do anything for him because the way you have shown up for her and loved her i'm like i will do anything for you, for the see, rest of my days, for the is, rest of my days, I, I love gotta you. I got to
1: start my days like this mm. with the love mm. we got. We need more love in the world. Yes. We don't have enough love that is unconditional. Yes. And we need more of that. That's right. You see, that's, that's right. what I love about our relationship. And, and, you know, she's been doing amazing things, mm-hmm.
2: but
1: I, I just love that. We don't always agree. We don't always see things the same way, but there's a deep love. Yes. Respect. That abides. And yes, a respect. Mm-hmm. Love is about respect. Love is about acceptance. Yes. And that's at the core of the relationship.
2: Yes. Wow.
3: Thank you, thank you, thank you for today.
1: Thank you for having me here and coming here to the office. Thank you.
2: Yes.
0: What you just shared about love and more unconditional love and the deficit of it out there i guess if there was an algorithm for humanity that would make us more humane to one another and ourselves it might be a part of that and where'd you where'd you get that i mean where where did that message come from how'd you download that
1: jesus Hmm. but for me i've been blessed to be born with everybody's born with gifts i was born with a certain connection to that frequency Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when I realized that it was maybe years years later maybe as a teenager or even um once I moved to New York at 17 and just started seeing the world and touring and realizing that everybody is not blessed to have tapped into that frequency Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as a part of their daily walk yeah and For me, that means I have to share it. So then with my gifts and the things that I do, I started to really philosophize about why I do them. Mm -hmm. Around the time I was 17, 18, then I named my band Stay Human. I started doing these things called love riots in the streets. Mm -hmm. Just really all the things that I'd studied and learned and continued to learn, I channeled it through the filter of love and joy,
2: mm. Mm.
1: whether it's even 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 somber things, yeah. joy comes after going through something. That's right. Because happiness is something that's fleeting, but joy abides. Mm-hmm. Mm, so come on. you have to go through something mm. to get to the joy. That's right. Mm. And that's really what I just wanted, still today. I want to share that through everything that I do. That's the that's the common theme. That's the thread. That's right
3: one of my favorite quotes that i i've just cling to um when i was like in the midst of my nervous breakdown i heard this and i was like this is gonna be my story that the deeper sorrow carves into your being the more joy you can contain like that's it that's the grit that's the marrow mm. that's the story
1: that's the whole resurrection yeah you see it's a metaphor for life our lives go through these processes of resurrection we go through changes and when we go through the storm and we are broken there's a moment we have a choice as to how we react what is our reconstruction what is our resurrection Mm -hmm. that that's a decision we make those decisions every day some larger than others and that to me is oftentimes when I try to connect most to that joy Mm. and that hope because that's when you make the best decisions, I believe.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm.
1: Grateful. You can't complain or be negative while being grateful. Mm. Mm. Those things don't go hand in hand.
3: I love that it doesn't take away that you're having... It's not this like rose-colored pollyanna thing where you're not holding the reality of loss and sitting with people that are suffering. Like that's so real. But when you can hold both and have that balance of... Fully understanding one and then just seeing the goodness and the growth and the hope that comes in it, that reconnection to your wholeness and coming back to your truest self that comes from those wounds and those scars, those sacred Mm. wounds, you know, Mm. that's because that's I've always like, it's not this Pollyannish thing where everything's perfect. No, life's hard.
1: It's not perfect. Yeah. It's messy.
3: It's messy.
1: It's dirty. Gritty. And it takes a long time at points to see Mm. your better self.
2: Mm.
1: It takes a while sometimes to see through the storm, to see the silver lining, Mm. see the rainbow. Mm -hmm. It takes a minute and Mm. you have to live in that moment. Sometimes you have to live in the pain, live in the anguish in order to process, Mm. to process. We sometimes have to go through the things that we don't want to go through in order to transform
0: tell us about your original i hear you weave in faith all through your life philosophy where would your original faith imprint
1: wow so i've had a few experiences one in my family we go to church every sunday and um, that was really great in terms of embedding the tradition and the understanding of faith into my world view but as a teenager i don't remember who it was but someone came up to me gave me a copy of the new testament i was 13 or 14 and it was a pocket-sized version it was an orange new testament and they gave me a new testament and i was very excited for some reason i said well let me put this in my pocket and I'm going carry it around everywhere I go. So I did that for several years, and I would look through it every now and then when I had some time sitting, you know, waiting for the bus or in between rehearsals or something I'm looking, and I would start to get a greater understanding of it. And then I started to try to apply these things to my life in practical ways. And from there, so many things fall into place. Mm-hmm. You know, you meet people who help you on your quest to understand the deeper meaning of the text. And you find different ways that you've relied on God and it's come through and you wouldn't have known unless you put that faith into it. Mm-hmm. There's so many things mm-hmm. when you search for it, mm-hmm. you'll find the wisdom in it.
2: Yeah.
1: But you have to you have to look for it. It's, it's like music anytime you play a song there are the notes on the page but then there's the deeper meaning mm-hmm. to chopin or beethoven or yeah. duke allen it, he wrote the notes as a reference mm. but that's not the thing that's going to get people on the dance floor or make people sob or feel nostalgic and mm-hmm. remember the best memories of their life that's not what's going to evoke those things you have to dig deeper that's all what i'm telling myself dig deeper take us deeper yes
0: in the in the in the you I know so when I look around and obviously i'm I'm a fan of, of what you do and and I get a real good sense of who you are based on that, you know we don't ever know, you know it's just perception, so I know you've done a lot of interviews, some incredible interviews by the way, on just your gifting, what you do in the world as a as a profession and I'd really love to dig in and know who you are, you know what do you value? Wow,
1: I really value relationships because i think that's everything mm. i think we are here for a short while and the time that we have here our relationships that's the structure of everything that we do you oftentimes hear people say the five people that you hang around most mm-hmm. will determine the course of your life and what are those five people but five relationships yeah. mm five people and that also says something about relationships the deeper a relationship can go the less time that you have for other relationships yeah so you have to prioritize so for me I've really in the last year or two max I've really tried to prioritize relationships in lieu of my profession because it's become such an overwhelming part of my life Mm -hmm. that that thread Of what's most important to me can be lost Mm. so relationships to me are 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 key and um cultivating them yeah making time to really build it out
3: yeah i hear intention you're setting those intentions you're being intentional Mm. to really connect with those your five that you've chosen and you've chosen to love them so fully and to show up for them so fully and out of that abundance you're able to go in the world in love Mm -hmm. but there's such a value and importance like i call them my soul family and like when Mm. i met salika i'm like you are a member of my soul family the second i met her i couldn't take my eyes off her i was talking about it to azita last night like salika came in the room and everything else got quiet and i was just like i didn't know i've been missing you you yes. Know? And she just is such a light. But when you find those people and you want to cultivate that sort of intention and that love, because that's it. That's the most everything else doesn't matter if you don't have that. <laughs> relationship. That's right.
1: That's I it. love that. You can have everything in the world. And if you're not around people that you like them, they like you. And y'all are growing together because mm. if you want to go deeper, That's the mark of good relationships. Mm. Does this person make me grow? Do I make them grow? That's compatibility. Anything else is a negative, Mm. a net negative.
3: You're a part of each other's Mm -hmm. becoming, Mm -hmm. becoming our highest wholehearted selves. Yes. And that's the most valued, beautiful. And anything else now, when I try to, I'll have people that are so precious and I love them as humans and as souls. But when it's, there's not that connection and it's like, doesn't feel like life giving conversation, it almost feels like an assault on my spirit. I'm like, I can't do that. It's not that this is bad. It's just, Mm -hmm. it doesn't work for me Mm -hmm. anymore. And I want to, I want to, when people leave my presence, I want them to feel enlightened and better and more loved and, and vice versa. Like we want to be life-giving forces for each other. Mm-hmm. And those are, that's what our soul family does for us and what we do for them.
1: We sharpen each other. That's right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you don't feel that, then you have to evaluate why the relationship is. Yeah. If the relationship isn't based on that, then what is it based on? And these are questions that, again, for myself, over the last few years, couple of years, I've been thinking about very, very intentionally. And it really affects everything. Yes. It's not just your relationships. Everything is affected by your relationships. Yes. Mm.
0: Say more about the, uh, when you were just starting to say what you value, you said, in my profession, You know, it can get overwhelming, especially with some of the success you've experienced in the last few years. Say more about the overwhelming part.
1: There's a sense of self that can be lost or fortified in your profession. Mm. Because the things that you are shown and given to you because of your profession aren't necessarily who you are. Mm. Mm. So when you have... A list of opportunities in front of you and all of them lead to different things I like to think of the example of a compass and you look at true north now when you're right up close to true north and and you're trying to find a destination and you're right up close you know you may go a half an inch away from true north or you can still make it but if you are a hundred miles back and you're half an inch off, by the time you get to your destination, you're completely off track. Yeah. you completely off track. <laughs> that's right. You you might as well have made a right turn mm-hmm. or left turn. You're off. Mm-hmm. So every decision, the small ones or the big ones. That's mm-hmm. right. If somebody says, Can you do this? It'll take 30 minutes of your time. Mm. Well, you might be like, Well, oh, that's nothing. Oh, you know, it'll take five minutes. Or, Can you record this real quick thing? Can you say this? Can your picture be attached to this? Mm. Can your energy be attached to this? Mm. Yeah. Well, you might think, oh, yeah, that's cool. But then 100 miles down the road, you all the way off from true north. Mm. Mm. You're so far off that you got to figure out another plan to get back.
0: Speaking of, I think a lot of people can relate to the idea of just overwhelm, whether they have a public profession or not. Because today's mm-hmm. the the pace of today's culture is fast. I mean, mm-hmm. everybody's hustling, and if you're not careful, as you said, you start hustling for your worth instead of your professional identity. Did you have to learn to say no, or were you just naturally pretty good with what to say yes to and what to say no to?
1: Still learning because it's a it's it's an ongoing process. Because yeah. we're always evolving and understanding more and more of who we are and what we're meant to do. Mm. So then once you get deeper and deeper into that, you understand that, well, I don't have to do this. And I thought I had to do this, Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Definitely. And that can really be a lifelong process. I think of, of constantly editing. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I it, love how Glennon says like, with making those kind of choices it's like whatever's the next best thing and i like to think about you said true north which i always think um does this make me feel like i'm going towards the light Mm. towards the truth and i'll get real quiet and real still and our our souls know so when we're we take out all the noise and get really still and really quiet our true selves know the answer so when i let myself actually go inside and I mean God lives inside of us so that answers the knowing is inside you know the true north the going towards the light I mm, love that
1: the light I like that <laughs> I like that it's in the silent moments that's when we really can hear it yes we don't make enough time as a as a culture we don't value that enough yeah
3: mm. <laughs> city showing up for us
1: (laughs) wow it's alive out there that's like the irony is is amazing
2: Mm.
1: you know (laughs) city's bustling and we're talking about making time for the quiet moments
2: yeah
0: Mm. Yeah, that's no irony (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's not easy though i'll say that i it's part of my profession It's something i've been teaching you know especially working with a lot of creatives and really busy people Mm -hmm. and now that the work that i've been trying to push uphill is starting to trend people care about emotional health these days people are talking about and and so suddenly (laughs) i'm i'm in a sense finding myself as busy as the people that i'm sitting in front of sometimes and i'm trying to practice and implement tools that i was talking about in theory 10 years ago and now they're real Mm -hmm. and i'm like whew. Yeah. so I, I struggle that's why I want to I ask because I, I struggle sometimes with what to say yes to, what to say no to and mm-hmm. how to manage and balance the time and how to va- I value relationships too, but sometimes my schedule doesn't look like it-.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. What we do counts the most mm-hmm. you know I oftentimes find for me when things get out of whack, I need to change my actions my 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 physiology, mm-hmm. like my whole physical, I have to shake it up. Mm. And it sounds very simple, but it can be very hard. It can be something as simple as I'll take music, for instance. Uh, if I'm going to sing and I really want to be rooted and connected in my body, I'll do 20 push ups before I sing. Mm. Because physically, by doing that, I'm feeling my body. Yeah. I feel it and I'm breathing mm. and I'm connected to the breath and then when i sing it's not in my head anymore because i physically snap myself out of my head mm. and things like that go a long way yeah. or even the idea of of uh, before going on stage it's putting your hands in the air like you just won a boxing match
2: yes and just
1: standing there and jumping up and down
2: mm.
1: and really just feeling the victory just yeah. victory mm. do you, you want to that's what you want to channel, victory. That's right. And then you come out, and it's amazing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's a shift.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. That that power pose that you just described is actually scientifically it sh- it's proven that it actually lowers your ambient stress level just by doing it. Really? Wow. <laughs> what? Isn't that crazy? Really? Wow. Originally, they thought that it was something that we learned, like we learned a lot of things by seeing it. Mm-hmm. So in other words, when you see somebody do that, when they cross a the finish line or have a victory, that that's what you do. So in other words, it was imprint learn wow. until they saw seeing impaired runners uh, cross a finish line who'd never seen a day in their mm-hmm. life. And guess what they did when they crossed Same the finish line? Thing.
1: Wow. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Wow. Yeah, that's that's nice. I like that.
3: I love that. I'm going to start implementing <laughs> I love that I've never thought about
0: it before I like go on stage before, and speak or something
3: yes that intention I've though. done it
0: before I've gone mm-hmm. into meetings I always feel like I'm crazy so I go in the bathroom and just light it oh, up oh yeah <laughs> yeah. oh yeah
3: <laughs> I love that so much physical, uh, physical. wow
1: physical
0: a lot of creatives and artists that I've worked with in the past I think have and I have a, a, a dilemma out of the gate meaning I'm just curious to see what you think about it and how it's impacted you as you've come along Meaning that, in some ways, for their art to be distributed into the world, it requires a platform for people to know who you are, and a platform requires a public profession. And typically, the bigger public profession, the more impact the art. And public professions, um, they, they create abnormal life circumstances. That's right and whether it's the pace, whether it's, uh, not having time for relationships, whether it's all the things that come along and whether it's fame, you think about all the things of having to separate yourself from it. Public professions create abnormal life circumstances, abnormal life circumstances, create high levels of stress. I know that from my profession, unaddressed stress creates loneliness, anxiety, depression, all addictions, all those things, broken relationships, all of which can kill creativity and connection. So the thing that, your kryptonite the thing that brings most artists to the dance creativity and connection in a sense you've signed up for a career that's designed to kill it and i call it the artist dilemma but i say it's only a dilemma if you don't know about it Mm. because if you know about it you can do something about it but i just wonder as you as you've and you've kind of had this amazing trajectory from playing you know as a kid in new orleans coming from an incredible musical family all the way up through your education and Joy, it's just unreal what you've done. But have you ever experienced that? Have you ever gone through a season where in, in the build you felt like you were losing your connection and creativity to the art?
1: Definitely. I think that the system that art is placed in, in order to commodify it, is destructive to the artist. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because music has always been something that was a glue for communities or something that gives people a way to process grief Mm. and change it, flip it. You know, the music that we have come to commodify and, and sell. The reason that it's so powerful is because it comes from centuries of people's experience and communities Mm. using it as a way to, pass wisdom on to the next generation and pass customs on to the next generation. You know, if you listen to a lot of music that's on the radio, whether it's, you know, R&B music or hip hop, it comes from gospel or Negro spirituals or, you know, if you listen to country, it comes from the Appalachian tradition or the Carter family who did it as a hobby. That's right. And they were recorded and it became a thing. Why does this have to be commodified in this way? Money. Money. And I feel like if you're going after it for money or fame, you can lose yourself. Yeah. You can lose yourself and thus kill the thing that's got you to the point that you are. Mm. So that's why when we talk about purpose and talk about what is it that I'm doing everything for. It's, it's all philosophical. It's all spiritual, yeah. even the smallest decisions. And when it becomes overwhelming, you have to be able to just shut it all off. Mm. no matter what the consequences are Mm. because if everything is based upon the nature and condition of your soul then it shouldn't matter if this is out of whack if the soul is out of whack it shouldn't matter if you shut it off because you you're not worried about losing money Mm. or position or power you're not worried Mm. Mm. even if what you do is helping people Mm. because mm. you you have this concept of being a noble martyr mm. when wow. really you're leading people in the wrong direction Yeah, because you're not living right. the thing that you're are telling people to do That's so right. for me I always think about that well I'm going to just shut it off and I'm not going to do nothing I don't want to do mm. and if it gets worse I'm going to shut it off even more yeah. wow <laughs> I love. And that. Then if I got to shut the whole shop down, I'm gonna shut it down.
3: And I think we heal the world by healing ourselves. And you so You can not go out there. And that's right. Even if like I loved what you said, even if you're trying to do good in the world, but if you aren't staying true to your soul and taking care and nourishing yourself and loving that it's not selfish. That's so if you love the world better by loving yourself well and true. That is that's it.
0: But that's, I, but I, it's interesting that our instinct when we get in those places, or at least a lot of the people I've worked with, whether you're in the creative space or you're just in life, just doing life and busy, is that when it gets really stressful and you get disconnected from who you are, our tendency is to numb it or to do more of it. Yeah. And so that, instead of the other, which is, no, actually we gotta shut yeah. it down to, to keep it sacred and survive.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and there's a historic precedent of artists crumbling under the pressure. Yeah. Mm. And self medicating or finding different ways of covering the pain. That's right. And that takes them down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's tragic. It is. The people we've lost.
1: Oh, my yeah. goodness. Prince.
0: Oh, man. Amy Winehouse, Kirk Cobain. And we keep, you know. I
3: mean, it goes on and on and on and on.
1: I was thinking about that. I just recently read Marvin Gaye's biography by David Ritz, Divided Soul. Mm. And his whole situation is tragic, but its it's an archetype. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, Shakespeare was writing about this <laughs> so long ago. Right. He, he understood life in a way where he could he could put these archetypes in a play. And Marvin Gaye is the archetype of tragedy, mm. and it's so often the case with our great artists because they're so connected with something that's so deeply spiritual. Yeah, it's a heavy burden to bear. Yeah, it's heavy to live in that place of intensity it's like living in the eye of a storm mm. and you got to figure out a way to channel all of that but also just stay sane and rooted
3: we want to take a quick break to tell you about this solo this is a brand that we love
0: Nasolo is a sustainable brand committed to delivering handcrafted, ethically made shoes and accessories designed with comfort and functionality at the core without the traditional retail markup. Nasolo's vision is to push the fashion industry that values exceptional design, the planet, the producer, and the consumer.
3: Nasolo operates their own sustainable factory in Peru. They also produce family-owned factories in Mexico, each of which has signed an ethical code of conduct.
0: A beautiful part of their branding is that producers receive, at a minimum, beyond fair trade wages, health care, financial literacy trainings, and a safe working environment. Ugh, I love them
3: so much. I've worn the Solo for at least four, maybe five years. And it's just known anytime anyone comes to visit me, we're gonna take a trip to Solo because everyone falls in love with them. And I can't wait to share this brand with my friends.
0: And I can back that story up because I was <laughs> one of those friends. Uh, one of the first times we hung out, you actually took me to Nasolo and introduced me to the brand. And I just, I love the story behind it, but I also love the shoes. And so mm-hmm. I now am a proud owner of Solo shoes and and love them and actually my dad just recently saw them and and he loved them and that's where I got them and so uh, we got him a pair for Christmas and he didn't even know the story behind the brand he just loved the shoes and so that's what I love about them: is the design and and uh, the way they make them are really well done but also the story behind it is unbelievable so Nasolo is partnering with us this season to offer unspoken listeners 25% off their first purchase. Go to nisolo.com and enter code Unspoken at checkout to get 25% off your order of men's and women's ethically made shoes and accessories. That's n-i-s-o-l-o.com and use code Unspoken for 25% off your first purchase.
3: I am not a musician, but I love music. Like it's, I I sang and hum before I could even, st- like, it's, it is so foundational for me and I, but I don't have a language for it. I can't create it. I just feel it. And I was, mm. I was married to a drummer for 10 years and yes. and he would bring home records. He'd record, he's like, I want to hear your thoughts. I didn't have the lingo, but I could tell him exactly how it made me feel. Mm. I could give the emotions behind it. And when I listen to your music, it transcends, like it, I feel I feel so connected. I feel my emotions and I feel what I assume is the emotion that was going behind it. And I feel your ancestry. Mm. I feel your history. I feel like it feels so much bigger than what's playing in my earbuds. It feels so much on such a higher galactic evolution. I I don't know. I don't have language, but Mm. I know how it makes me feel and I was listening to an um, interview on the way here and I just was tearing up and giggling and tearing up and my my precious little lift driver just kept looking at me because I was just, I was so moved. But I loved hearing what you were saying about your left hand is your rhythm section and you would play what that sounded like. I'm like, oh, yes, yes. And then you're like, and my right side is my emotions and what you're able to create mm. That and our left side of our body is our feminine, mm. and our right side is our masculine. And but I, with your left and right, I feel that convergence. Is that the word mm. of masculine and feminine in the most beautiful wow. way? That I, it, it felt so profound to me. He, even mm. hearing you speak about it, and I was just so touched. I've never had a language to put behind what i feel but the way you were describing it i don't know your music is just it feels so profound Mm. to me and i i feel you honoring your ancestry on such a profoundly beautiful soul level and Mm. i just it's such an offering and such a beautiful service that um I just, I want to tell you how much I appreciate it and I oh, feel it and it means Ruth, so much.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah. Wow. That's a the way you even said that. It's just, <laughs> it's moving. It it really, it really is a, a goal of mine to connect mm. to the lineage. Yeah. Because mm. there was so much that we naturally carry yes. from our ancestors. Yeah. And it's important for us to know it. Yes. We can't forget about them because if we forget about them, we're forgetting about a part of ourselves. That's right. And that's what also brings a certain depth and profundity to the music.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: It's not just of the moment. That's right. It's not just about what's going on right now. Yeah. It's about history, and thus it's about the future. Yes. Mm. This it, it's timeless. Yeah. So digging into that and figuring out a way to speak to right now, mm-hmm. that to me is is always the thing that I'm most interested in in terms of an objective with art.
3: Yeah. yeah. Maya Angelou's quote is, I come as one and I stand as 10,000. Mm-hmm. And she's like, the crown has been paid for. Put it on your head. It has been done for you. These people that have stand before you and come before you. Who would you say you bring with you on the stage? <laughs> Maya, our queen. Yeah, our queen. come on. Uh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. So when you get on that Man. stage, who would you say you're bringing with you?
1: Oh, I'm bringing a lot of people with me. Yes, you I are. mean, my family is rich in um, influences and a depth of uh, camaraderie that has always been a part of my performance. Mm -hmm. And then I'm bringing the the, the people who have changed the game. As far as my instrument, whether it's, you know, Duke Ellington or Nina Simone, you know, Thelonious Monk. um, The range of of great classical composers from Bach, whose music was rooted in faith Mm -hmm. and the understanding of how to construct these amazing tapestries of spirituality and looking at human life from the perspective of the creator speaking to his creation, Mm -hmm. looking at life from the perspective of creation Mm. and the depth of how much everything is connected Yes, nature, I mean I was listening to the St. Matthew's Passion with my teacher uh william Daglian. He's a great armenian brazilian classical piano teacher i've been studying with him for the last 15 years and we we're listening to saint matthew's passion by bach it's about three and a half hours long mm. and i just laid on the floor mm. and i was listening to it and it's just like there's so much in that that he was bringing from his ancestry and and from the history of humanity yes. that how could you not for me want to dig into that and explore that mm-hmm. and connect to that because mm-hmm. we're all related we're all family that's right. human race we're here together mm-hmm. so I want to bring all of that to the table because that's how it's gonna bring more people together into the same room that otherwise may not show up yes mm-hmm. i love my crowds because <laughs> we always talk about how the crowd is it's everybody so diverse it's everybody yes that's what i want
2: yes
1: mm-hmm. once i lose sight of that it's time to shut it down you're missing it mm-hmm. yeah. it's time to shut it down let's close the shop mm-hmm. it's been a good run mm mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe we <we'll> reopen someday <laughs> when you <laughs> I come shut back. it down yeah
0: wow you've uh, I wish people could see this interview because it uh, I had a question about I love the name of your band stay human and I read about kind of where that was inspired from but one of the questions was how do you how do you do that how do you stay human and I want you to answer it but I, I do want to ask something else about it because it's just even as we've been sitting here the way you walked into the room, there was a presence that you invited in that you weren't on, you were just here, mm-hmm. and it was different, you know. And you slowed everything. So, my one of my things for 19 is slow down,
2: mm-hmm. and you've got
0: this way of slowing everything down.
1: Love that. We we talk about that a lot,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just even in conversation. So, if I wish if you all could see this, the listeners is there'll be a moment where Ruthie will say something, or I've said something, and we may, I may keep talking and you just stop yeah. and you lock in, you make eye contact and you, you just lean in. You lean in and you mm. just, you, you appreciate the moment and you let it breathe.
1: Yeah. Yes. Wow. I, I really, really feel that that's the, the most important thing in order to be present. People say be present. What does that mean? The most important tool in being present is to slow down. Mm. Just take a minute take it in if you take in the moment and slow down then you're the most present that you can possibly be Hmm. when you're praying what are you doing first you take a minute and you listen Mm -hmm. to what's on your heart what God might be saying to you things that you want to offer up And then you go through it. So we know how to do this. We know how to do this. It's just a matter of doing it when the pressure is happening. Mm. Because people will oftentimes push you or rush you to make a decision or to do things based upon a timeline that's external. That has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with this. Mm. And sometimes you have to you have to soldier your time.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, it's not always easy. You got to fight for it. You got to say no and just let it be no. And
3: yeah, can I tell you something that's so precious what you were just talking about prayer? Like I just realized something, it just dropped in. So this morning I was meditating and praying and I had prayed that for this room and for this space and this conversation. And I was like praying that you would feel really, um, seen and cared for and loved and safe with us and you know what's so beautiful you've given that to me
2: wow
3: i feel that you walked in and i felt before i even touched you your spirit embraced me i felt so cared for and seen and loved and held by your spirit like you gave that to us and to in the space. I mean it's it's your spirit in here. So it it was already here.
1: <laughs> I feel I feel that too. I feel this is this is not I mean, what I love about what you do is you invite space for people to reflect and think and talk about things that we all, whether we're consciously aware of it or not, we all go through. That's right. And process and have to face at some point in our lives. Mm. Let's talk about it mm. yeah.
0: for so long. I think we reserved those conversations for the confidential confession booth or the therapy room. And it just we had it backwards. And we, yeah. we in a sense, we created the stigma we complain about because that's just the human condition. Mm. Right. We sit around and <laughs> talk to each other yeah. about the good and the bad and everything yeah. in between. Yes,
1: that's right. Mm. That's right. Mm. We don't make time for it now because we've created the stigma around it. Mm. We have to go somewhere off to the side in private mm. to talk about it. Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> what a disservice to the human <clears throat> spirit. Like it's such a lie. You know, it does. I mean, this feels honestly uh, why we started this in the first place. Because that's, that's my life force. Energy. Energy. In,
1: in relationships. Yes. If you feel even some relationships challenge you and push you. Oh, I got to be better. Oh, I got to know more. Oh, I got to do more. That's good, too. Mm. But anything else, it's an energy that you feel from a person, too, that you can become, you can tune into it. You can get in tune with knowing if somebody's energy is compatible yeah. upon first meeting them. And you're like, oh, okay, this is important. Right. I like to think about the band that I started, the Stay Human band, and collectively we played together for 11 years. Wow! And the drummer is still in the band. It's been uh, over 15 years now. If you know anything about bands, the average life of a band, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the average life of a band, not so long, is not very long. Yeah, but. The bandmates that I had originally in Stay Human and some who were still there, I met independently of each other. And within the first five minutes, before hearing them play, I had either invited them to join the band or invited them to a performance. Mm. Because I could feel. hmm, Yeah. You could see it. Yeah. I saw Joe on a street corner in New Orleans and when we were in high school.
3: Wow.
1: <laughs> he had sticks in his hand, and he had a look in his eye. And I said, "Man, I see his spirit." I, I walked up to him. I said, "Let's let's go somewhere and play." That was the beginning. Wow. Fifteen years later. Wow. I saw Eddie. He was coming into um, uh, Juilliard undergrad program. I was doing my master's degree. He was he was walking around the hall trying to figure out where to go for the next class. I go up to him and I say. I have a gig tonight. Let's hang out. He was carrying his saxophone without the um, without the neck strap. He was just carrying it like a briefcase. And he walks kind of pigeon-toed, and he has, that's an original soul. Mm. I bet he's great.
3: <laughs> you had not heard him. You no, just felt it.
1: I hadn't heard anybody that I've hired. Wow. Up until when we started this show. Holy Nobody that I've ever hired in my band had I heard before. Wow.
0: Yeah. All
1: feel. Oh,
3: that makes my heart But it's swell. real. I know. We,
1: we discredit the things that we don't see because right. we don't see them. Mm. But they're real. Mm-hmm. We discredit it because we don't see it. <laughs> <Yes>. So <laughs> then we start to think, oh, well, that's not real. Wow. But yes. then when you lean into it, you're like, oh, this is more real than you know. That's right. The good and the bad. That's
3: right. Mm.
1: Yes.
0: You said something uh, about your time at Juilliard in one of your interviews where you were a little bit non-traditional walked around and playing and oh yes the, the, <laughs> the professors didn't quite get you mm-hmm. and I think what you said was that the rules sometimes get in the way of the intent
1: yes and oh thought, yes
0: Whew. and you've kind of been describing that in, in a lot of different ways but
1: yeah. it's really for me about the intent mm-hmm. the intention is your true north yes what's your intention What are you trying to serve? Who are you trying to serve? How are you trying to serve? That's all intention. And if you forget about that, then you're just doing things based upon what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do this right now. One of my great mentors, the late Alvin Batiste, who was a distant relative of mine said, it doesn't matter if you're correct if it's not right, and I always loved that, and, mm. and 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 I never understood what he meant until later, <laughs> because he was telling me this, when I was like, teenager, fourteen or something. He's like, yeah, that's correct, but it's got to be right, son. Mm. <laughs> wow, mm, right.
3: That <laughs> energy, that feel you're talking about. What would be your hope that people feel when they leave your presence?
1: I feel like. I just want people to feel like themselves Mm -hmm. and and feel feel like they don't have to be anything like they don't have to be um, fake in in any way or have to be in any condition in order to feel like we've connected, we've bonded, that they have love for me. And I also just want I want people to understand their value because people don't really understand their value. Yes. They attach their value to who they know or their profession or their yeah. monetary mm-hmm. <clears throat> value. Yeah. And and that causes people to do some really strange things. That's right. So I kind of want people to feel the purity of a child. Feel like a child. Mm. I always have a moment in, in my shows where we get to the, the child vibe. We get to the kid vibe. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you I love seeing people <laughs> just break all of the other stuff down mm-hmm. and come right back to the purest form, just, just complete.
0: Wait, can you give us an uh, like a riff or an example of where you going <laughs> in the show when, when you take them there?
1: Wow. It's it's usually when I'm playing the harmonica board. Which is a child's instrument, mm. and we've done these things where we'll play the encore of the show, and we'll go into the crowd, um, which you're not supposed to do, and we'll stand on the seats, so you know, we'll be right in the middle of the crowd. I mean, we did this at Carnegie Hall, where we went mm. stood wow. on the on the red plush seats, yes. and we playing, and, and we lead people out of the venue. Into the lobby, oh. out into the street. Wow. Down the block, mm. around the corner, mm. into like Starbucks. Wow. <laughs> you know, like we'll go maybe a mile sometimes. Mm. We've gone from one club to another club in Paris, <laughs> which took like 30 minutes. And it'll be people joining in, you know, from the street who weren't even at the concert. We call that a love riot. But Mm -hmm. that really, for me, is when you see people get the most free. I don't ever see people (laughs) that free and emotionally pure and connected to each other. So that is the kind of energy Mm -hmm. that um, I really strive to create in every show at some point.
0: You mentioned the very beginning of the conversation, which I loved. You said joy and love, which are two of your guiding values. They typically come on the other side of a storm, or a lot of times they do. Were there any significant storms that that came out of of life for you? Could have been early or any time that you would identify as? Man, I had to work hard to shake the message that came out of this adverse circumstance. Was there anything that just?
1: Yeah, I think for me a lot of my storms have been psychological
2: mm.
1: and it's about killing beliefs that don't serve me mm. other people around me and figuring out how to feed the ones that do
2: mm-hmm.
1: And those things are just as um, serious and can be just as destructive as um, a physical element or emotional wounds yes. because the psychological the thoughts that you have about yourself
2: mm. yes.
1: that determines how you treat other people mm. Mm. and I feel that even as a black male in the entertainment industry there's a lineage of psychological baggage mm. there's a lineage of negative psychological presumptions that can really, the deeper you get into it, the more you know and the more you study and the more you develop your craft, the more it can feel degrading and exploiting Mm -hmm. of who you are. So fighting against that and still keeping the purity and the joy and the passion for the craft and the purpose behind it all is a daily fight. Wow. Wow. Because you're trying to redefine Hundreds of years of psychological damage,
0: depression, yeah. generational trauma. That's yes. right.
1: That's no small feat for anybody. Right. How has
0: knowing that um, manifested in a way uh, that you've used it as a way uh, to tackle social issues that may be important or being a voice for? People who may not have had the opportunity to have an understanding of how the generations before are, are impacting or suppressing their voice today.
1: There's a way of representing the truth by your actions. Again, always the act, <laughs> How you how you do it mm-hmm. physically. Your hands. What is the work of your hands? How do you do that? And is the truth embedded in that? How I carry myself The responsibility of things that I have to know. Nobody's telling me that I have to know them. But if I Mm want to change stuff, I have to know this. I have to put the time in to know this. Otherwise, it's an empty philosophy. Because I haven't done the work. Mm. Mm -hmm. The person who can go out and speak simply on something is the one who's thought deeply on it. The one who can teach people about it is the one who's went through all of the processes to understand it Mm. so it's a lot to wrap your head around Mm. so what i really try to do is represent the truth and get deeper into understanding it so that i can share it simply with people
3: Mm. that is come
1: on (laughs) Write my, that down.:
3: <laughs> Truly, tattoo that on my body. That is so <laughs> important. <laughs>
2: wow, That is the truth.:
0: We're kind of trained early to walk through the world with a microscope instead of a mirror, mm-hmm. and mm. Um, mm. constantly yes. looking at everything around us in comparison, and, and yes. we miss the gift of That's holding right. up a mirror and That's say, right. "What's going on with me?
2: Mm.
0: Where are my struggles? Where's my truth? What's mm. my worth anchored in?" Yeah.
2: You
0: know, all those things. That's right. Yeah.
2: That's right.
3: And what yep. you were saying earlier, you want people to leave and feel that childlike. You, you look at a four-year-old. I watch my niece Lucy, the way she danced around the room. There is not a care in the world. And that is innate. And then life happens and world, and lies come in and these stories come in and that we might learn in culture or church or family, whatever. So the coming back to what you're giving in these beautiful love riots is coming back to your truest self. The, the freedom... That you are so loved and so good and so whole, and these lies that we're told—like unwinding those lies—is coming back to our true north, which is that childlike awe and curiosity and freedom and goodness. Like you don't have to teach that to a three-year-old; they have it because right. it's innate in us. Mm-hmm. It's it, and then it's coming back to that is the work because we're also deserving of that, you know, and we're so good. Mm.
1: Wow, we don't really always know the the price that's been paid for us. Mm. We lose track of the joy of that news, Mm. the idea that we can be free to love each other and be open and not have to worry. You know, Mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying. It's like we have a a real I feel we have a responsibility to to share that love with people, even if they don't understand the full weight of all of it. Sure. Because that connecting to that feeling, especially if you've forgotten what that feels like, that leads you down the path to true north again. Mm. You could have been gone for several yeah. years without mm. having that feeling. That's right. And you have a we have a love ride, and you connect to that again. Mm. Yeah. Then the next day is going to be different because mm. you. It's almost like you've been cleaned, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Well, speaking of responsibility, did you, when you pivoted from the stage to the to the TV, did you feel a bigger responsibility because you got so many eyes on you when you guys started, you know, you and Colbert started the show? What was that like or what is it like?
1: Mm-hmm. It was a different responsibility. And I still didn't fully understand it up until recently, which is, When you're dealing with media and television, there's a history Mm. that informs everything. The way that it's set now is based upon so much of um, a predetermined mythology. Mm. And you are put in a position within that story that you have the choice of accepting or or striving to redefine. Mm. And for me, understanding the context yeah. of it has given me a deeper understanding of how to best do my job at the highest level while also representing my values.
3: Yeah. Hmm. John, you're like, I feel like I need to just after go back and listen and just take all the notes because your oh, wisdom like is like we've been just pastored
0: to philosophy. Truly, i just gone to
3: church. <laughs> The gospel has been preached to my soul by John Batiste. Can I tell you something? I, um, when Soleika picked us up at the train station in Vermont, I know exact. I can feel exactly where I was. She was telling stories. I-, I ask a lot of questions, and so I was just asking a bunch of questions about how y'all met and your friendship. I love that you met at band camp when you were fourteen years old. Man. Dear God,
1: we're talking about that this morning. Actually, uh, before I left.
3: I mean, that is just those souls found met. Yeah. But can I tell you when I was like, I love that man. She told me a story. Y'all weren't even dating yet. You were just friends. Yes. And she was in the hospital. Oh, yeah. And um, couldn't be around people because of her cancer. And you brought Stay Human to the cancer ward and played music for the whole ward. Yes. And just lightened everything. For everyone, you did that for everyone, and she's like, he did that several times. He would just show up at, and, and I literally like, I could cry right now. I'm even thinking about that. that was just, that was, the most loving, precious. I mean that, I truly that was the moment. I'm like, I love that man. That is the most beautiful, precious thing I think I have ever heard. I just, that act of service of love, like you were showing up and loving her so tangibly when she couldn't even be around people but your music showed up and loved her and you showed up and loved her and everyone else she's like ev- all the nurses started dancing and people came out of their rooms with their IV bags wow. yeah, and were it was dancing so and rad. oh John just, wow
1: we used to do so much of that on the road that is something that's really important to me the example is to really care for people who don't have anybody or can't care for themselves and that's that's something we used to always do and now that we're on television you know there's a there's a different way of doing that because we don't have as we're not traveling the world as much anymore but we would go i mean in beirut we used to go there almost every summer and there's a um there's a, a, a children's cancer center mm. it would break my heart to go there but the, the full circle um, moment was one of the years when we went to Beirut Suleika, when she was well came with us yeah. and she joined us as we performed in children's cancer center mm. and she was there to encourage a lot of the young cancer warriors Twelve years old and younger, mm. with her story, yeah. and that's a, that was a great full circle moment. Wow. Just as we had started to become partners, she was well enough to travel with us to Beirut yes. in the Children's Cancer Center.
2: Mm. Wow!
0: I tell you, so many. Uh, takeaways but Mm -hmm. I think I learned how to just be a little more human today and being Mm -hmm. in your presence and I was I I had a question coming in it's like how do you stay human and now I think an answer for me is just learn to be human You want to stay human be human and you've you've taught us how to be a little more human today just Mm -hmm. by being real being honest about what what what's worked what hasn't some of your philosophy and some of your experience has been amazing and that's my favorite feedback on this show is a lot of people listen to us because they want to be reminded that we're all human beings Mm. and is the is, is there is there a message or is there something you want to leave all these people with and us with um
1: wow Thank you, thank you for having me. I think that it's a, it's always a joy to be able to share your story and mm. share the things that have inspired you, um, and and continue to inspire. I really just want people to feel a sense of um, security and hope in a time where it's very, very hard to find it. Mm. You look around on you know whether it's it's the news or you know the different stories that are going around in um, the media about how everything seems to be falling apart and you shouldn't worry because these times have come it's always been moments where people feel like everything is going to fall apart maybe things will fall apart in some way or another but our souls who we are as people our purpose the thing that God put in us to shine that doesn't go anywhere without your permission people can take that from you and these days people may be Conspiring to take that from you, but you in charge of that, Mm. that light. And how you cultivate that and develop that has nothing to do with everything that's going on out here. That's
2: right.
1: That's right. All of this, if you connected with the source, Mm. if you hear the voice of God in you speaking to you, if you're connecting through his words and through his messages and his examples and you walk in that. There's nothing that really can take you outside of that zone. Even in death, there's joy. Mm. You see, that's the level that I strive to yes. achieve. And all the other stuff is just kind of a distraction. You know, it's not saying to not care about your community or your environment, but to not get caught up in the drama of despair. Why bother? It doesn't really change anything. Yeah. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. Wow. Thank
2: you. Make up fake love, make them all laugh. Come on, someone take off your mask. It's nice to me.
0: Wow. John is one of my has become one of my favorite human beings, but that was just such a powerful interview. And I just wanted to tell you, before we leave today, I did not want you to get away without learning about his latest project, which his newest album, Hollywood Africans, is out, and it is incredible. Highly acclaimed, getting an unbelievable amount of recognition. I've had it on repeat in my office, and you will thank me later if you go now to wherever you can get music and pick up this album by our friend John, Hollywood Africans.
3: Thank y'all so much for being with us today. We know your time is valuable, so it truly means the world to us that you would spend your time and energy with us. And thank you for being willing and open to walk right into the tension of saying the unsaid. The music from our podcast is from one of my favorite bands, Oliver Riot, And this song is called Alcatraz from their EP, Hallucinate. I cannot speak highly enough about these musicians and friends. Check out their beautiful music on Spotify and online. And a huge thank you to Chad Michael Snavely and the team at CM Studio who edit and mix the show.
0: If you want to learn more about The Unspoken Podcast, please go to theunspokenpodcast.com for show notes and more information about the guest. And feel free to follow us on Instagram as well at The Unspoken Podcast. Make sure you hit subscribe to keep getting more inspiring conversations with incredible people delivered straight to you. And for those of you who are regular listeners to the podcast, please consider supporting the show by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. We can't wait to share with you all of the upcoming conversations with some really special people. And we hope these fill you with the hope that we might all find connection, healing, courage, and the strength to leave no important words unspoken.